This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? Made it through a batch of storms last night, kind of rough, kind of kept a few people awake maybe, some kids, and kind of loud, but... It's a wonderful day today. It's a little gloomy outside, but we're here at church together. We're ready for a great day. I, obviously, we're doing things a little different today. I'm obviously not Pastor Jarek. I still have my hair. Not quite as, not quite as big of a guy, but uh, we, he, they're actually on, coming back from vacation today, and uh, we pray for safe travels for them coming home today, and uh, he'll be back with you next week. And, but we're going to continue in our series this morning, uh, this, this Hot Topic uh, series that we're talking about. And I just want to start off with a question this morning, and that is, what are you hoping for or planning for? What are you, you setting goals for in your life right now? What's up next for you and your family or, or for you personally? It may be that you're, uh, you're looking to graduate high school and, and make it to college and, and, and trying to plan out your life and what that looks like and, and uh, you're looking forward to that so much. Or you may just be looking to graduate college. You're like, I'm, I'm ready to, to get on with my life, ready to start making some money, stop eating ramen noodles and uh, SpaghettiOs and dry cereal um, because I can't afford the milk, but you know how it is. Um, you may be in, in a time in your life where you're looking to get married, and um, you've just now, you, you, you've, you've found your, your soulmate, and you, you guys are planning out your wedding, and it's going to be an awesome time, and you, you guys are so excited about how that's going to look, what it's going to be like. Uh, you maybe have been married, and, and you're looking forward to having your first child. And uh, it's going to be a special moment for you. And you're, you're planning and you're, you're getting your room ready and, and uh, just getting all these things ready that it takes to take care of a child. And, and, uh, or you could, be, you could be becoming empty nesters. Your, your, child, your kids may be starting to move out of the house and you're starting to look and going, wait a minute, there's not as much noise anymore. And you're looking at your husband or wife, you're going, well, who are you? What do we do now? You know, I mean, everything's been surrounded with our kids, and, and now you're kind of like, what's up next for us? And, or you may be looking to, to retire soon, and you're looking and going, have we planned enough for this? Have we positioned ourselves for this? And what, what, what's actually our date that we can actually call ourselves retired and, and just enjoy retirement together? And, uh, you know, we're all in different places. We're all in, in different um, places in life right now. And, but don't you know that the things that are the most important to us, and all these things are important, they're big milestones in life, they're the things that get the plans. The things that are the most important to us are what gets a plan. You know that? Things that are the most important, they're what gets plans. And as we begin to plan, as we begin to um, look forward to these things, everything falls into the realm of business, really. It really falls into the realm of business. I mean, all the goal setting, the dreaming, the planning, the management of your time, your efforts, and, or the budgeting that it takes for some of those things. You know, if you're looking to retire, you, you've, you've had to budget some things along the way and, and plan for that. It doesn't just happen. You have to plan for those things. And everything falls kind of in, in the realm of business. And a lot of times we go and we look for coaching or we look for um, some insight to this. And um, we may go to a, a financial person who knows more about this than we do. And, um, or we may look to, for counseling in other areas. And sometimes, and a, actually a lot of times, whenever we go to look for this, we actually get counseling or insight that's really ungodly a lot of times or it's godless you know and here's what i'm saying is they say well it's it's all about you it's about what you want it's about what you're planning it's about it's your destiny you know it's you 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 and a lot of times that's the way we look at life it's it's about me 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 you know and and what's going on in my life, and we get caught up in that a lot of times. And Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon states this is life under the sun, as life under the sun. Everything that's going on here on earth, life under the sun, as if there's no one else above the sun, as if God doesn't exist a lot of times. See, I'm planning for 
my life. I'm planning for what I want, but a lot of times it's we just see what's going on here and not actually looking to God and saying, what is it that you have for my life? Am I planning the right way? Am I setting the right goals and the right standards? And I think as you get older, you begin to see these things a little more because don't you know when you get older, life begins to speed up? Oh, man, it gets to speed up a lot. I mean, it's like put the brakes on this thing because we are coming in way too fast here, God. We got to slow this thing down. But as a kid, a lot of times, everything's moving really slow. It's like, is this ever going to happen? You know, I mean, as a kid, you're like, is Christmas ever going to roll around again? And as mom and dad, you're like, I just got through paying for Christmas and it's back again. Right? And, and things begin to change and we begin to look at things a little differently and life begins to, to speed up. But as a kid... Things are moving really slow. And the big milestones or the big achievements in life are a lot different as a kid than they are as an adult. It's usually the simple things. And we had a huge milestone happen in our family about a week ago. And if we could put that picture up there. This is my daughter, Isabella, and she lost her first tooth. (laughs) And uh, she was so excited about this about losing her first tooth and the tooth fairy coming to see her. And she had talked it up uh, with her grandmother. She calls her grandmother Lolly. And she was talking, she was like, Lolly, yeah, when I lose my tooth, the, the tooth fairy is going to come and, and see me. And uh, whenever she lost the tooth, she's like, Dad, what do you think tooth fairy? I was like, oh, it looks like a quarter tooth to me. She's like, well, Lolly told me the tooth fairy brought her a dollar. I was like, Really? All right. Well, her tooth fairy ended up bringing her a dollar. And so she called her grandmother up. She's like, Lolly, guess what? Tooth fairy brought me a dollar. And, and I thought he was going to bring me a quarter because Dad thought that's what it was worth. And, and Lolly said, well, you know, actually remembering back, I think the tooth fairy actually brought me a quarter. And I'm thinking, you. <laughs> you tricked me. Yeah, you're so good. We, we love our grandmothers. Um, they're so awesome. And they set big goals for us. Uh, you know, and actually I heard a story the other day of a kid whose tooth fairy brought them 50 bucks for a tooth. I'm thinking, I got four wisdom teeth need to come out right now. That's 200 bucks. I got to meet this tooth fairy. You know, I mean, let's, let's work out a deal here. I mean, this is a, I'm just like, man, some tooth fairies are whew, a little more, uh, a little more wealthy than me, than my tooth fairy. Um, but but as we go through stages of life, as life speeds up, if, if we're not careful, you know, we'll completely miss God, completely miss Him altogether because of the pressures life puts on us. Have you know whenever you, the older you get, it seems like there's more pressure applied. It seems like you're being pulled in so many different ways, and, and there's, there's pressure put on you to perform at work. It seems like there's pressure to get things done at home and life just seems like it becomes more pressure and it seems like it takes more planning and more effort you know a lot of times though a lot of that pressure is applied by our own selves it's applied by ourselves we put that pressure on ourselves we set obstacles for ourselves and and limitations for ourselves and we work ourselves up a lot of times and it's really for nothing because we're looking at this big thing and it's like, oh, it seems so huge, but really it's very small. It's really very small. Because when we're looking at things with a very much broader scope, a wider scope, those things begin to shrink and go, you know, it's, it's really, it's not as big of a deal as I thought. It's really not as big of a deal as I thought. You know, many times when we plan and plan and we work and we work, And if it doesn't work out quite like we thought, a lot of times we're devastated. We're devastated. We've planned, we've worked, we've made these investments, and it's not working out like I thought. And it's a lot of times because we've we've put all of our hope and all of our trust in the plan itself. 
instead of God. We've put our hope and our plan in the plan, and it's like God's going, it's great to plan, it's great to work, but where am I at, where am I at in all of this? Where am I at in all of this? You think you can do all this on your own, but you really cannot. Don't you see? I'm right here. I'm the one that has all the answers. You really, you just need to ask me. And I believe this is what James was talking about. James, I I love James. I love the book of James. Jesus' little brother, such a sharp guy. He had a pretty good role model to look up to. Pretty good big brother to look up to. And uh, James says this in, in James 4 and 13. And he's talking about this. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He's talking to people that are planning. He says, You're planning out your life. You're, you're laying out your, your schedule. You're, you're, you're going, You're going to do this and this and this. I mean, it's, it's great to have a plan, guys. But he, he makes a statement, I think, is, yet you do not even know what tomorrow's going to bring. There's where the problem lies. Guys, you're making these plans, but you really don't know what tomorrow brings, truly. We're going to skip a little part, and it says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. He's saying you're boasting in your arrogance because you're not including God in this. You're being arrogant about who you are as if you control things. He says all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. He says you aren't to say if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. Are you making places in your plan for the circumstances to change? For things to change that you can't control? I believe he's teaching us a lesson here, and this is the first lesson, that is that life is uncertain a lot of times. Life is very uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen, really, when we leave here. We have a plan. Maybe some of you are going to go eat some chicken. Sounds pretty good right now. I don't know. It just popped in my head. Maybe I'm hungry. Just saying. You know? So you got some plans to go eat after this. Woo, that's what I'm talking about. And, but you really don't know if that's ever going to come to fruition. You really don't know because life is really uncertain. You know, in our arrogance many times, we believe life is certain to end up like we plan it. And then when it doesn't, we become mad at God a lot of times. Become mad at God. Like, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening the way it is? I've planned. I've worked hard. You know, what I've found is, is when those things happen, God is trying to show us a flaw that we have in a way or the way that we're doing things or the way that we even believe sometimes. He's, he's trying to, to show us a flaw in the system, a flaw in us maybe. He's trying to refine us and bring that out and polish that. How many know refining hurts? Oh, it does. When you're in the middle of it, you're just like, oh, I don't understand why I'm going through this. But when you get on the other end of it, if you're willing to learn while you're in the middle of it, when you get on the other end of it, you're like, I'm so glad. I would have never looked at life this way. God, thank you, actually, for making me go through this. I didn't understand it while I was going through it. I hated it while I was going through it. But God, thank you. God, your will be done in my life because I know your will is so much better than mine because it's making me better. It's making me better. You know, there are two different types of people. There's a planner, people that like to get things done, like to get things done, have to have a plan, laid it out, how many of you are planners in here? How many of you are planners? I lean more on the planning side. I'm more of a planner. If you're in financial peace, they call us nerds. I did not like the nerd term, so I said planner. I'm a planner, not a nerd. I'm a planner. Okay? Let's get this straight. And then there's this other type who is passive or 
kind of free-spirited, you know, kind of take life as it comes, guys, you know. Why well, I have a plan. God's will be done, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Whatever happens, happens. You know, and a lot of times what I've seen, though, is with a planner, a lot of times we need a little humility in our lives. And by saying, God, it's your will, it allows for that humility to come into our lives and become humble. Saying, God, I've laid out this plan. It looks pretty good. I mean, I'm just telling you. It's a pretty good plan. I'm a planner. You know that. You wired me that way. I'm a planner. This looks pretty good. But I am going to allow for your will to be done. You know, I know that there's, I'm human, and there's got to be errors in there. And I know I don't control everything going on in this world, and Father, you do. And so I'm allowing you to mess it up if you want to. The free-spirited, a lot of times, I've, I've seen that with the free-spirited, they lack confidence. The reason they don't plan is because they lack confidence. They lack confidence in their plan. They go, if I lay out a plan, I'm too scared that it would fall through. I'm afraid that it's going to fall through, and, but that's okay. By you saying God's will, it allows you confidence. It allows confidence to come into you because you're going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this planning thing a little bit, you know, because they say it's good for me. I don't know, but um, I'm going to lay out a little bit of a plan here. But you know what, God? Overall, I trust you. I trust you. And that builds confidence inside of that person. Builds confidence inside of them. How many of you ever, now this can come a bit of a cliche. You, you, you hear per, people, you're talking to them a lot of times, it's every sentence is like, God's will, you know. You know hey, how are you doing? Oh, God's will, I'm doing pretty good, you know. God's will, you know, you're talking about something else, and God's will, you, you sit down and eat with them, you're like, hey, could you pass the potatoes? Well, God's will, I'll pass the potatoes to you. God's will, I don't stab you with my fork. You know, I mean, goodness. We get these cliches going, and it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, this is not, we're taking this out of context totally here. And, but it shouldn't be a cliche. It actually should be a conviction that we live by in our everyday lives. It should be plugged in, a conviction that we live by every day, realizing there's a lot bigger thing going on here. There's a lot more going on here than I can see with my own two eyes. I mean, we get zeroed in on what's going on in our everyday life. And it's good to pay attention to what's going on outside of life. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you needing me to do? Now, should we plan? Absolutely. We should plan. Absolutely, we should plan. It's good. I mean, Solomon took a whole... uh, all of Proverbs and wrote about planning and how good it is to plan and set goals for your life and dream. It is good to sit down and plan and dream. So I'm not knocking planning at all. That's great. That's healthy. It's healthy to sit down with your spouse and you got to set out plans and dreams for your life. Just know we're setting out this plan and this dream, but God, if this is what you want us to accomplish, we're going to accomplish it with this. If not, if you want to mess it up a little bit, we're allowing for error. We're allowing for error. Which brings me to my next point that James is talking about. And that, that is that life is brief. Life is very brief. It's very brief. You know, in James 4 and 14, now this is a little part that we left out earlier. He, he makes this statement, this question. It's a question that when you read it, it rings through. It says this, what is your life? What is your life? Have you ever thought about that? What is my life? What am I here to do? What am I here to accomplish? Because I know that one day I'm not going to be in this world. I'm not going to be in this world. What is my life. What is it? What, God, what do you want me to accomplish with what you've given me? What is my life? And he says this, for you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
says, you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, last fall, I, I took a little trip by myself. I, I uh, took a hunting trip to Arkansas, and, and I, I told my wife, I was like, I just need to get away for a little while. I want to go, you know, do some hunting, and uh, got to drive 900 miles to do that. I mean, can't you find somewhere closer, you know? So she lets me go, and um, I'm sitting up there on a, on a deer stand, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and, and I love this spot that I'm sitting at. It's one of my favorite spots, and it's a very long um, shooting lane in the, in the front. And actually, in the morning, when the sun comes up, it comes straight up in your eyes. I mean, it just comes straight up, so you get to see it come up over all the trees and stuff. It's beautiful. And, um, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm just, I'm just thinking and praying and watching. And, uh, and I, I begin to breathe. I could see my breath whenever the sun started coming up. And I would blow out, and I just, you got nothing else to do. I mean, you're just sitting up there. I mean, you're like, see how much breath I can put out there. And so I'm just like, you know. And so I'm sitting up there, and I'm blowing my breath out, and it, it would go out, and it would go for so long. And all of a sudden, it just disappear. And I got thinking about this verse of Scripture. Life is a mist. Life's a vapor. And I went, whoa, that's my life. I exhale that, and I don't know where it's going to disappear all of a sudden or where it's going to end. And as I'm sitting there watching my breath go, and then it would just disappear, I'm going, man, I really don't know how long I've got. I really don't know how much I'm going to be entrusted with. So what is my life? What am I doing with it right now in this moment? Because if you're breathing, this is your life. You have a plan and a destiny for your life right now. You're not working towards something. A lot of times we go, one day I'm going to accomplish this. One day I'm going to accomplish that. You know, it hit me about life being brief whenever I... uh, I first graduated uh, high school, and um, I had had people die. I had my grandmother die at, at a young age, and I knew what death was, but it never really hit home to me as far as at my age. And uh, there was a friend of mine who was, we were the same age. We had just graduated high school, and his brother was having a birthday party, and, and he was driving to it, and he actually had um, two eighth graders in the, in the car with him. And one of the eighth graders is actually my brother's best friend. And they're traveling to this birthday party, and nobody really knows what happened. They end up running off the road and and wrecking the car, and all three of them died instantly. And in that moment, I thought, wow, life is brief. I was just, just celebrating graduating high school with this guy. And my brother just was hanging out with his best friend. And I don't know where, it, where it's going to stop for me. I don't know what's going to happen. I have a, I'm sure they had plans. They had goals for their life. My brother's best friend was an amazing golf player. Amazing golfer. Just, just awesome for his age. All that was done gone you know I believe as James was writing this he was looking back and he was obviously he was reflecting back on Jesus his role model his big brother he's looking at him and looking at all he had accomplished and what had happened to him then I also believe he, he dug back and he looked in the book of Ecclesiastes and looked at Solomon's life. Now, Solomon, here's the thing. This guy was sharp. He was said to be the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth, obviously outside of Jesus. He was the richest man to ever walk the face of the earth. This was a real guy, not just a, a character in here. He was a real man, walked the face of the earth. He was successful in every way. He even said in the book of Ecclesiastes, I had everything that anyone could ever want. 
I was wise beyond measure. I had servants, thousands and thousands of servants. Had tons of wives, gold and silver like none other. People would drive, or they wouldn't drive, they would, you know, walk, or ride a camel. But people would travel for days just to go spend a moment with Solomon, just to ask him a question. Because the guy was so sharp. But he sits down at the end of his life, and he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. And he starts off the whole book with this statement. Hebel, hebel, says the teacher, all is hebel. Now, a lot of you are going to look in your Bible and go, that's not what mine says. See, hebel is actually the Hebrew word for what yours Bible says is meaningless or vanity is what many of them say. Meaningless or vanity. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. See, a book Ecclesiastes was actually a book that was, had a lot of remorse in it, a lot of regret, and it was really a book of repentance. And he starts off this statement, hebel, hebel. He uses this word hebel 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. book of Ecclesiastes is only 13 chapters long, but he uses this word. It means meaningless, meaningless. And what he is saying is that everything outside of God that I realized, everything that I accomplished, everything that I worked so hard for, for was meaningless outside of God. Because all these riches that I've gained, I'm going to give them to somebody I don't even know. And they're going to be entrusted with them. When I'm gone, people are going to forget about me. It's all meaningless outside of God. Now, there's another meaning. Hebel also means two other things. It also means a vapor or a breath. And I believe when James sat down to write this, what is your life? For you're a mist that appears. Everything is meaningless without God. Your life is meaningless. What is your life? It's meaningless without God. It's going to appear for a little while and then it's gone. Outside of Jesus, it's meaningless. Jesus has to be the center of it all. Solomon, James, pretty sharp guys. If we look and we try to glean from this, it's like, you're right. It's really the small things where happiness is. It's really Jesus on the inside of me. I read this story this week, and I, I want to I share it with you. It's about a, a lady and a, a man that are sitting in a at a park and they're carrying on this conversation and it says this while at the park one day a woman sat down next to a man on a bench near a playground she said that's my that's my son over there pointing at a little boy in a red sweater who was gliding on the swing he's a fine looking young man the man said that's my son uh, on the swing in the blue sweater then looking at his watch he, he called to his son Hey, Todd, what do you say we go? It's time to go. And Todd begins to plead. He said, Dad, just five more minutes. Please, Dad, just five more minutes. The man nodded, and, and Todd called to continue to swing to his heart's content. Minutes passed, and the father stood and called again to his son. Time to go now. Again, Todd pleaded. Five more minutes, Dad, just, just five more minutes. How many of you ever had this happen? You know, just five more minutes. And the man smiled, and he said, okay. He said, my, she, the lady responded, said, my, you certainly are a patient father. The man smiled, and then he said, my older son Tommy was killed by a drunk driver last year while he was riding his bike near here. He said, you know, I never spent much time with Tommy. And now I'd give anything for just five more minutes with him. I vowed not to make the same mistake with Todd. 
He thinks he has five more minutes to swing, but the, the truth is, I'm the one that gets five more minutes to watch him play. And he goes on to write this, that life is all about making, all about making priorities. You never know what you have until you lose it. Enjoy your time together. Spend another five minutes and show our love for one another now. For no one knows what tomorrow will bring. Which brings me to my, my next point, that life should be urgent. Life should be urgent. We should live life urgently and not let all these huge things that seem huge get in our way of the little things, the time together with our loved ones. You see, we're not promised tomorrow and the body of Christ needs people that will live their life not looking back but looking forward. Have you ever messed up in life? You're like, I really messed up. You know, I'll raise both of my hands. I mean, messed up a lot. You have a choice when you mess up. You can get stuck right there and just keep looking at that going, oh, I messed up, messed up, messed up. Or you can go, you know what? Hey, I messed up. What am I going to learn from this? God, forgive me. I messed up. I'm looking to learn. I'm looking to be better. I'm looking to get past this, to work towards something better. This is what James says. Instead, you are to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. All such boasting is evil. You see, it's in our arrogance. It is arrogance to have a sense of entitlement about our life a lot of times. A lot of times we have a sense of entitlement. I deserve this. I deserve this. I've worked for this. I deserve it. I deserve it. Do you? Is it God's will for you to have that? I mean, because he's the one who controls it all, really. If he deems it necessary for you to have it, then you're going to have it. But if not, you're not entitled to it because he controls it all. Right? I mean, if we're looking at it in the big picture, he really controls it all. He created it all. So it's really his. There are joys that we get to have, and it's great. But if we don't understand, God, you bless me with these joys. You bless me with these things. And we're getting it a little out of, out of skewer here. Because a lot of times we go, we work for this. We deserve this. No, God, you bless me with this. It all comes back to his Jesus, the sinner. Now, I just want to, we want to talk about, we're in the hot button. So here's, here's what the hot button issue here is. And I want to talk to the American church because we're Americans here. America. People in America look at their life like a plate of food. Look at our life like a plate of food. And a lot of times we indulge in gluttony with it. How many of you like buffets? I like buffets. Yeah. Got some men raising their hands in here. Yeah. Walk in. You like start piling it on. Wife might say, well, you're not going to eat that. Hush, woman. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to make sure I get my money's worth here, you know. I didn't put that sign out there. Is that all you can eat? And I'm going to eat, you know. And that's what we do with our lives a lot of times. We just pile things on. Things that we don't even need. Could have stopped at the first plate. All the rest is just, oh. You know, you walk out and you're like, you sit down and you're like, I can't even drive. <laughs> you know, I'm stuffed. 
you're miserable the rest of the day. You're laughing because you know what I mean. (laughs) You know, a lot of times we teach our kids more about sports, things like that, than we do about God. We teach our kids that those things are actually more important. We teach them by our actions that church is just another social club that we go to and it's not who we are. You guys are the church. This is not a club we get to come to on the weekends. You're the church in here and you're the church out there. You're the church in your home. You're the church at work. You call yourselves a Christian. You are a part of the body of Christ, the church. It's not just a social club that we come to on the weekends. It is great that we get to come together on the weekends. Because it helps build character. We sharpen one another. We get to hear God's word preached and we take it and we apply it to our lives. It's who we are. But yet a lot of times we fill our plate full with sports. We'll take our kids, we'll drop them off at school, we'll go pick them up at school, we'll run them to this sporting event, this practice, and then we'll go here and go grab our other kid, and then we'll go take them here to this dance recital, and then we'll go there, and we'll pick them up, and then, oh, we got to go home and eat supper. Oh, I didn't have time to cook anything, so let's run by McDonald's, we'll grab a hamburger, and then we'll eat, and we'll, oh, you guys got to get your homework done. We drive in, we get you, go, boom, 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 run, 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 get your homework done. Oh, you got to get a bath, got to go to bed, got to get up and do this all the next day. Walk by and you go, hi, honey, how are you? Good, oh, great, I'm going to bed. And that's the way we live our lives because we pile so much stuff on that we're taking all this time to fill it. And what we're doing as mom and dad, we're running a taxi service, shuttle service. It's like flight control. It's like, you here, you here, you here, you know. And we've looked at all these things. Us as America, we have... A lot of opportunities. What we have to do as parents, though, is look at those opportunities and say, this is what's best for us. Because here's the thing. God's got to be number one. I've got to take time to sit down with you and teach you and be an example to you. If you're never spending time with them, how can you be an example? How can you show them Jesus on the inside of you if you're never with them? All you've taught them is rush, rush, rush. Go, go, go. And they take that into school, and that's where they are at school, and they take that into their everyday lives, and we repeat the cycle. Go, go, go. Rush, rush, rush. And that's the way we are as Americans right now. If you sit back and really look at our lives, that's the way we are. It's go, 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 go. Learned an important lesson this week. Actually, it was yesterday. I was proud of myself. We were getting ready to come here last night, and I was sitting in the car. Actually, me and the kids, we, we beat my wife out to the car, and we're sitting in the car. And, and uh, normally, after about two minutes, I would have turned to talk to the kids, and maybe my elbow would have bumped the steering wheel and bumped the horn, you know, just to give it a little toot, you know. Oh, um, I really didn't mean to do that, you know. And then after a couple more minutes, it would have been not a mistake. Boop, boop. You know, time to go, time to go, time to go. But I was sitting there. I was thinking about what I was going to talk about. And so it was really hitting home. So God's dealing with me, obviously. And so I'm sitting there. I'm looking in our garage. And I'm looking at everything in our garage. And, and I'm like, you know, this stuff's really meaningless. Because in 20 years, it's just going to be a bunch of junk. It's probably going to be pushed up in a trash pile somewhere. I'm going to have new tools. Those will be broke. Might have a new truck in 20 years if my wife lets me. You know, maybe by then it'll be time. Things are going to replace everything in here. Because I know that all this stuff is fleeting and meaningless. And I'm going to think, you know what? There's no reason to be in a hurry. She's getting dressed as fast as she can. And my kids have actually picked up on this because they're back there, Dad, toot the horn and tell Mom to hurry up. (laughs) 
she needs to come on. We need to go. We're going to be late. I'm like, no, kids, don't tempt me. <laughs> don't I'm trying to learn a lesson here. <laughs> don't tempt me. And she gets in the car, and I just smile, and we pull right out. And we're just smiling happy all the way to church. Now, if I would have tooted the horn, there would have been things that would have happened throughout our drive. <laughs> Normally, she, I would have tooted the horn, and she would have gotten in the car, and conversation would have broke out <laughs> about how she was getting ready. And I, I should have helped out a little more. Or, and then I would have entered into the conversation. And this conversation would have kept going. It probably would have escalated a little bit. And then we would have been talking about something that we weren't even started out talking about, about something else. And it would be an escalated conversation. And then by the time we got to church, it'd be blah, 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 and then we get out and we walk in. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Boy, today is so good. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good to be here. Happy, completely different person. We put on this smile. Everything's great, but yet in the car, we were totally different people. Now, I know none of this has ever happened to you before, and I'm just talking about myself and, you know, I'm great. It's it's good that I've been able to share that with you. and been able to learn some lessons today. Um, just don't ever do it. And you'll be fine. But I realized that my kids had begun to pick up on my tendencies and the things that I was doing. And I realized, as the man at the house, I'm setting the tone. I am setting the tone. And so, man, I'm going to talk to you for just a little bit here. In Ephesians 5... It says we're the head of the house. We're the ones that set the tone of our household. We're the leaders. But yet I look at the American church, and I said we're talking about the American church here, and I read some statistics this week. And it really bothered me, frustrated me, upset me a little bit. And it says this. That the typical U.S. congregation draws an adult crowd that's 61% female and 39% male. This gender gap shows up in all age categories. It goes on to say this. On any given Sunday, there are 13 million more adult women than men in America's churches. This Sunday, almost 25% of married, church-going women will worship without their husbands. And over 70% of the boys who are being raised in church will abandon it during their teens and 20s. Many of these boys will never return. 70%, which tells me, men, what are we telling our kids? What are we telling our boys? We are not being the leaders God called us to be. We're not being the head of our household. We've let our wives take on that, and it's a responsibility that they do not deserve to take on. And I'm not saying this to get on to you because obviously you're here. So you may have got drug here, but you're here. And I'm telling you this to keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. Even talk to your buddy. Say, hey man, we've got to be an example. Our kids are depending on us. Our kids are depending on us. We got young girls who can't even find a, a good man, a husband nowadays. I talked to three or four different girls in the last month. They're like, I cannot find a good Christian guy. One of them even said this, and you're going to laugh. When, she goes, I really don't have high standards. <laughs> Wait a minute. Take it back a little bit here. And she, I said, they just got to love Jesus, right? She goes, absolutely. Just love Jesus. That's all I'm asking. Just love Jesus. Because she knows that if they love Jesus, then they're going to take care of everything else. Because they got the number one priority straight. And it's sad to say that there are some girls that are having to settle for a man that doesn't love Jesus. 
and hoping that they can transform them into loving Jesus. Here's a stat for you. 90% of the time, that fails. 90% of the time. But do you know that 98% of the time, if a man loves Jesus and marries a wife who doesn't go to church, 98% of the time she will change. That tells me something. Man, we're the head of the house. We set the tone. We set the example. And we need some godly men to stand up and be that example. Today more than ever. And there's some women in here going, mm-hmm, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Man, be loud about that, ladies. I mean, I just gave you like a, a huge point here. You know, instead, a lot of times, us as men, we, we look at other areas for God to show up. We look at, we would a whole lot rather go to a football game, cheer on our favorite people in, our, in the stands, go to the racetrack, hang out with our buddies at the bar, hunting, fishing. I'd a whole lot rather do those things and show our kids that those are more important than church. We do that by the example that we set. It's not, it's not what you say, it's what you do. It's the example that you set. We're not showing our wives and children that life is uncertain, brief, and urgent by the actions that we take in our daily lives. We need men that strive to be like Jesus. Jesus only spent three and a half years doing miracles and preaching. Three and a half years. But yet he set an example for 30 years. 30 years to his younger brother James, to his family, to his friends that were closest to us. He set an example in his everyday life about he, how he worked with high character, how he carried himself. And every fabric of him glorified God in everything that he did. Everything that he did. And so you got little brother here writing statements. What's my life? It's nothing without God. It's nothing without Jesus. Because he realized, wow, there's something so much bigger here because of the example that he was given. And Jesus was showing us that example for 30 years. He's showing us that example. What he did in those 30 years is just as important as what he did in the last three and a half. Because if we look at that, it's like he carried on with daily life. And he was an example in everything that he did. In the little things. So I want to ask you this morning. What is your life? And I got three questions I want to propose to you. Thinking back to the size of your plate. What is the size of your plate? What's the size of the plate that God has given you? What is your talents? What is your, your abilities? What's the size of your family? What's the size of your plate? What can you hold? Number two, what should you take off of your plate? What should you take off of your plate? Because, I mean, many of us, is we just piled it up. Like I said, we're running that taxi cab. Things are starting to fall off. It may be in our finances. Maybe we've overextended ourselves with things that we really don't need. It may be in the examples that we're setting with our kids. It may be that our kids are in every single sport there is. I love sports. I'm one of the most competitive people you'll ever find. I love sports. But maybe it's time we reel back and go, which sport do you love? Because let's just focus on this one. And we'll teach you through this one. Instead of L, all four or five they're in. Because it's more important that we spend time together. It's more important that we sit down at night as a family. Share a meal together. 
Talk about our day. Love on each other. It's more important that you and your wife go out on a date, spend time together in conversation, dream together, plan together. Look at your plan every once in a while and go, are we still going where we need to? Is God's will still in the middle of this? Because if we just keep going and going and piling and piling, it's all just going to fall off before it's over with. Or it's going to seem like you're going to drop your plate and it's going to push. My last one is, what should you put on your plate? What should you put on it? Should you take some things off and put some things on? Or do you look and say, my priorities are a little off right now. I really need to add some things in. I do need to spend more time. I need to spend more time in prayer, praying for my kids, praying for their future spouse. Hey, there's a big one. Pray for their future spouse. That there being a man or a woman who is raising up to love Jesus. And it's going to be a great fit for your young man or your young woman that's coming up. Not only praying for your kids, pray for their future spouses. Or praying together with your wife. Or reading your Bible together. Or just reading your Bible, period. Looking in God's Word, trying to learn and glean from some things. So what is your life? And who are you leading? And how are you leading them? Because we're all leading someone. Every single one of us has someone looking at us. Whether if it's your child, your wife, your husband, your co-worker, there's someone always looking at you, whether you realize it or not. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.